We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Michigan. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back! Welcome, Hornets fans. This is Richie, and we are live for another post-game buzz-in following the season opener against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, This was a fun one to watch. The Hornets start the season off with a convincing win. Joining me on Twitter spaces today is Spencer and Brian. Spencer, you're still recording from the bathroom. Not, but not, not from the toilet yet. Not Not there yet. (laughs) I thought, you know, if we lose the Spurs on opening night, but hey, we're going to keep a status quo for now. (laughs) Very good. Brian, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, as you guys, I'm I'm sure are as well. Just inundated with basketball. There's this. It's been a busy, very fun, but very busy opening night. Just a lot of stuff happening, including I don't know if you guys are seeing this, but at the half, Denver down 22 points to Utah. What's going on? What's going on there? Doesn't seem good, but no, it's uh, it's wonderful to have the NBA back, and I'm uh thrilled to be talking with you boys yeah it's a long season long season but we'll gladly take the 1-0 start uh, i just went final with the hornets winning 129 102 on the road uh, we'll gladly take any speaker request as well uh, in the latter half of this pod but we're gonna try to get into this recap and get out of here in 25 to 30 minutes we always say that but uh, it might go a little bit over uh coming into the game uh, Lamella Ball had an ankle injury, uh, so we knew that was going to be uh, somewhat of some shifting going around. Ubre got the start. Rozier shifted over to the point guard position, and you thought Cody Martin would have had some more minutes as there were some guard minutes to be had, but he left with like just two possessions into his uh, stint here uh, in game one with a quad soreness injury, which was unfortunate. But We saw a game which was entertaining to watch uh, for the most part. A Hornets team that, you know, was in control of 99% of this game. Uh, Just like with any other basketball game, there's going to be runs. San Antonio made a run in the third quarter, but then the Hornets responded with a 13-0 run to end that third quarter. 
you know, I, I think the biggest thing that I saw from a team point of view, um, outside of the effectiveness in the shooting efficiency was just the fact that Charlotte did a great job of limiting the spurs and fast break points while also on the other end, putting some pressure on the offensive side, uh, getting out in transition off of steals. Guys, I, I think we can probably start anywhere with this, but I do want to start with my uh, my main man, Gordon Hayward. <laughs> Scored the uh, first bucket uh, of the season off of a mid-range shot, off of a curl. Uh, I remember last season they loved to use some of that high-low stuff with him and out of the pistol or 21, whatever you want to call it, to get Hayward in the post. We saw more of that tonight and, and it's just something, like, if you're paying attention to this team, it's a big part of Hayward's game. It's a big part of Hayward's appeal. He even had a, a really good possession with Rozier that led to a, a nice pass that split two defenders where he set a screen out of Spain, pick and roll, and Rozier, you know, not known as a facilitator, makes this nice pass to Hayward for a layup. So it was good to see him back and healthy. I thought that was a nice showing from Hayward. Yeah, I... I agree. It, I mean, it just, he studies the offense as we've talked about so many times. Um, you know, you brought up the the shooting efficiency tonight, Richie. Uh, was it a super fast game, uh, fast paced game for Charlotte? They still got up 94 shots here, but, you know, Hayward just playing bully ball and it was a great matchup for him, right? Like San Antonio really doesn't have, they have some good defenders on this team, some defenders with potential certainly down the line, but like, Anybody they tried on him, he was knocking backwards, um, e- either off the drill drive or from the elbow almost immediately. So getting really whatever he wanted and, you know, only taking 11 shots, uh, which is – that's his mode, right? Like he's just going to steady the ship for this offense. And he's, he's a really a good – he's a really good fit for what Steve Clifford wants to do. So really good to see Hayward, you know, get off to this start tonight. Um, only PJ Washington played more minutes than him tonight. And maybe, uh, Brian, I'm sure you have some thoughts on Hayward, but I would say let's talk about PJ next, because I think in the season preview, we talked about how he would be used differently this year. And I think tonight was albeit against a very subpar NBA basketball team. Um, like we, the way he was used tonight, the way he scored his points, like very off the dribble, off the dribble, off the dribble, you know, some like in transition catch and shoot, but very, very different from what we've grown accustomed to with PJ Washington scoring. And he, I just thought he was awesome. Yeah. And first off, like we know, obviously we know all of this comes with a caveat of like the Spurs aren't a real NBA team. Like they just <clears throat> very clearly, sure. Or not, I like a lot of their young players, including some guys who didn't even run tonight, like Branham and and Blake Wesley. But yeah, Hayward and PJ, those guys combined for 37 points on 22 field goal attempts. Not bad. Hayward, 7 of 7 from the line, so he got the line a few times. They really, as they have now for three seasons when Gordon's been healthy, if if there's a smaller point guard out there, you know, even if it's a good defender like Trey Jones... They're just going to have Gordon Hayward set a screen for whomever that smaller guard is defending. Tonight, it was Rozier primarily, but this has also been Devontae Graham. This has been LaMelo Ball. And then they're going to try to get the switch. And so, Richie, you talked about Hayward getting some of those, uh, you know, those high-low post seals when they use the little 21 or pistol action. That's going after Trey Jones. They also, at times... 
um, just ran straight guard guard or you know guard wing pick and roll in the middle of the court to try to get that switch and the layup that Hayward got cutting to the rim off of Spain or diving to the rim off of Spain was another time where like he got the switch. I think either Vassell or Keldon Johnson went to Rozier, uh, Trey Jones switched to him, but Hayward had inside leverage and just immediately dove to the rim. So really nice work there in general, in that first play of the game, you know, no surprise. They went to him to get to Hayward in the mid range. Uh, they've run this a couple of times in the preseason, but what's called Ram Veer action, where Plumley sets a down screen for PJ. PJ looks like he's going to come up and set a ball screen for Rozier. But before he does that, he immediately slips out and dives to the corner to set a down screen for Hayward. Hayward curled off of that. Just really solid action um, in general. And then, yeah, as far as PJ goes, we'll go ahead and slide right into it. Three three-pointers tonight. Two of those came off the dribble in transition. Another one was uh, a catch-and-shoot three, a little relocation three that he hit in the second half. And the fourth three that he took tonight was like a pick-and-roll kind of possession. So he took three of the four three-pointers he took tonight, came off the dribble. Two of those three-pointers, I'm guessing they would be scored as unassisted. I would have to check the stats on that but he kept the ball popping around four assists only one turnover two blocks including a monster rejection mm-hmm. of uh, of Jeremy Sohan that where he just he does this every now and then where I do think it's it's easy to forget that this dude has like a 7-3 wingspan and you just see him go up and just put a shot up you know off the top of the backboard like that it was not not the top of the backboard but you know like higher up on the backboard to to pin the shot it was it was outright nasty and i tweeted this during the game but one of the little bread and butter plays that steve clifford always ran for uh nick vucevic in orlando was these little quick you know he'd have whomever was whomever was playing power forward that person would set like in early offense in the middle of the court with two shooters in the corner would set sort of like an early quick down screen around the free throw line elbow area and Vucevic would just catch and turn and either shoot immediately or kind of like isolate um, in the high post. They ran that three times for PJ Washington tonight, including two times in the first quarter. He scored both times off, you know, one on a catch and shoot one on a little like face up isolation. They ran it for him the second half. I think he tried to drive at that time and, and it was unsuccessful. But so you could see the ways they used PJ differently tonight, like early offense as a ball handler, pushing in transition, um, and some of this sort of like mid post face up isolation stuff. Again, stuff that they were running for Nick Vucevic, you know, when he was, a, you know, a 20 point per game scorer for Steve Clifford in Orlando. So nice to see. I actually thought that was like one of the highlights tonight was just how they utilized both Hayward. Again, in sort of the same traditional ways, a lot of chin pick and roll with Hayward, especially in the third quarter, um, but also some of the new ways they got P.J. Washington involved. Yeah, I was just kind of completely taken aback by the fact that he had a three-point shot off the dribble. I think that was his first bucket of the game, if I'm not mistaken, and then he had like a step-back mid-range shot as well. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And I don't think we can talk about this game without mentioning Kelly Oubre. <laughs> I think the there's two things that I that stood out to me, and Evan, we'll get to your speaker request here in a second. The biggest thing offensively for Oubre was, and he even mentioned this at halftime, that he wasn't settling for just the deep shots. And he attacked the rim, attacked the rim, attacked the rim. That was just so jarring to me because you're just so used to that guy you know, just standing out in the perimeter, taking shots and not being aggressive on that end of the court. And then the biggest play of the night to me offensively was just the fact that he played off the dribble, used that aggressiveness, get to the rim, put some pressure on the rim. And he had this nice wraparound pass to Richards after drawing a couple of spurs uh, in the air. He did have a pretty good game defensively, especially in the first half. I think there was one possession in the second half where he just got blown by off the dribble, but I just thought he was a little bit more active on that end with his hands and with his feet. And uh, one of the more memorable plays from him in that first half was when he was mismatched uh, against Pirtle in the post, and he just stripped him and went coast to coast and, and drew the N1. I think he missed the, the the free throw shot, but regardless, I thought he was a little bit more active tonight and I think his plus minus really stood out because when he did go to the bench in that third quarter uh, that's when San Antonio made their run do you guys have any thoughts on Uber before I uh, shift it over to Evan here well it's a, it's a good game for him to uh, you know get to the basket and and show some things that we have not grown accustomed to from him uh, but he literally can't go right so when the, <laughs> he plays against vets that uh, understand that maybe a little bit more yeah, a, a little bit more vividly then it's going to be harder. So I'm not I'm not putting too much stock in. I, I don't want to water down the Uber experience tonight, but um, not putting a whole lot of stock into this performance from Uber. Yeah, San Antonio couldn't keep the ball in front. He took advantage of that. I have a few more gripes with uh, the defense, but like Spencer said, let's uh, let's enjoy it while we have it because this will probably be one of the the better nights of the next few months. Right, that that up and down nature. So Evan, go ahead and uh, unmute and 
ask your question. What's up, guys? Always, always fun enjoying joining you guys after Hornets win. Uh, I've detoxed after the play-in last year. I, uh, I I stayed away for the summer. Uh, I needed to, you know, cleanse myself of some Hornets. We're glad to be back. But yeah, I mean, not a ton to add tonight, just because, like you guys have been saying, like it, it's hard to really gauge anything when you're going against the Spurs, and not really a competitive team. Um, you know, there were some things like you guys pointed out. TJ's involvement in the offense. I missed the beginning. I wasn't sure if you spoke, guys spoke about just the offense seemed to be at a much quicker pace than I had expected it to be, especially with Steve Clifford and without Lamelo. Um, that was refreshing to see. I'm expecting that to, you know, be the same, if not more with Lamelo, which is nice to see. And then, yeah, in terms of Kelly Oubre, you guys know I'm the biggest Kelly Oubre hater there is. Um, not, not a fan of that man, but uh, I got to give him credit. He, he, you know, I'll say I'll give him credit. He didn't settle for three sets. I think he only took you know, 11 shots, three threes. He played solid defense. Um, but nice win, and, and you know, let's see what happens in New Orleans on Friday night. Yeah, we appreciate your comments and uh, echo your thoughts as well. And we'll go to one more speaker request here uh, for Cam. Hey, guys. So what, it's been mentioned a couple of times that the Spurs are not an NBA team right now. But Pop is incredible. And watching this game, I was terrified that Cliff is just going to coach the hell out of this team to the worst level of confidence that could possibly be, which is like the 11th spot. And I, I don't know if you guys are worried about that too. That one of my when I was watching the game, I you know it surprised me that Mark only got four minutes. I don't really understand that. I know that you know Mason is the veteran, and Cliff has decided that that. Richards is one of his guys, and it looks like he definitely deserves to be. But it seems to me like if you, this is not. It's it's kind of it, it's disheartening that they don't see this as like a a season that, or at least right now, where you would want to get him minutes in games where where we're being the ones who are blowing the other teams out. It kind of concerns me that he only got four. You know, it just seems to me that you could get a little bit better development if you're messing up and you're winning rather than it seeming like you're contributing to like a snowball if we're getting blown out by like a better team. I I don't know. I just did, I was a little frustrated that he only got four minutes and then book night getting 14 and allowed getting to go over, you know, I don't know what's up with that guy. That was just a, a rough, a rough kind of look. I, I thought I'd kind of want to wonder what you guys think about the marks only four minutes and, yeah. uh, PJ, PJ is going to have to earn his is going to earn some of that money on Friday night because the big fella in New Orleans looking real good tonight. That is not that doesn't look fun. Uh, talk to you guys later. Appreciate it. I just want to speak to the book night point real quick. I do wonder if he would have played as much had Cody Martin not got injured. Like, do you think he was part of the rotation going into the game? I, that was that was my initial thought. Is yeah, I mean, I you know understand what's happened with Book Night the last sixty hours or whatever. But um, my assumption would be that that was just kind of the plan going into the season. And I mean, he got a lot of minutes in preseason, so it's not like that shocking. Um, speaking of detoxing, I guess he was able to detox and get ready for this game tonight. Uh, he wasn't good again, um, but he had some okay minute, uh, okay moments, but. Yeah, I mean, just to, to the point um, that our, our latest speaker just made, you know, I, there, there are not like Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. Um, th- there's enough veterans on this team to where, 
you know, it's just like way different than the team we just played tonight. Like at some point in the season, they're certainly in game one, they're, they're going to pretend to be serious. Right. And yeah, I mean, I'm as scared as anyone that we're going to find ourselves in this 10th, 11th seed kind of scenario again, but it's one game very well may have been a game against the worst team in the NBA tonight. So I just wouldn't read too much into how much young players play tonight versus how much other players play it. I just, let's, let's wait and see. Cause this team could be one in six, in, in, you know, this time next week. Right. So like, I, I wouldn't read too much into it just yet. It, it's something to monitor. You know, I definitely, my, especially once the, once the fourth quarter started, it, my, the, the, like the internal clock in my mind started thinking, okay, well, when do we see mm-hmm. Mark Williams? When do you see the, the guy that you just took in the first round of the draft? Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, uh, Jalen Duran had a huge game for the Pistons tonight. Just uh, make a note of that mentally. Yeah, can, can you believe the Knicks traded that guy? Yeah. What? <laughs> That's what, all what, what, kind of, what kind of idiot fail franchise would trade would trade a guy like that uh, with a lot? You know, luck, when they luck up into him with a thirteenth pick, what kind of moronic franchise would do something like that? Man, would hate to follow that team. But yeah, I like. I would say it's not something to freak out about yet with Williams, though I think it is worth keeping an eye on. Like it did, I will also say halfway through the fourth quarter when the game was well in hand and Pop had already pulled San Antonio's starters, that Clifford came back with Mason Plumley at like the six or seven minute mark was a little surprising. It was like it it's let's go with the rookie. Come on, let's let's put him in there. Um, it's like part ceremonial, but also part like we're winning the game. Vibes are good. Yeah. Like Clifford's not the kind of coach that's going to be like, all right, Rook, go sprint to the scores table. Yeah. You know, like that's just, yeah. that's not his mo. Yeah. And so like yeah. that doesn't surprise me. And also like we, we should mention too, like Nick Richards, like sudden emergence mm-hmm. complicates this whole conversation about yes. Mark Waves. Like Nick Richards was awesome against oh. tonight. Hundred percent. I, I yeah. do think there's, the, and we should talk about Richards because one, I just, I mean, just real quickly on Richards, like I just, uh, I, yeah, I undersold him. I, I mean, I didn't, I never, I didn't think he was trash. And I didn't, I didn't like bag on him and say he wasn't an NBA player, but I kind of thought he was just like center depth as best. Like you know, your your sixth big guy on a roster, your third center or whatever, and like he's playing well and playing hard and just, he's been, he's since preseason and tonight, a monster on the offensive glass. Mm -hmm. He had eight of Charlotte's 14 offensive rebounds, but yeah, Spencer's right. That does complicate the math a little bit. Um, I do think there is one scenario when the season inevitably goes sideways for Charlotte. And if Richie's prediction of Plumlee being the first guy moved comes to fruition, all of a sudden you open up, you open up, 18, 20 minutes a game for Williams. And the hope would be that before then, it doesn't take that for Williams to get into the rotation, um, that he starts sort of like finding ways to be, to get, to be a part of the, a deeper rotation. And then when the more minutes become available, he steps right into it. You know, right now in the pecking order, it's definitely Plumley. It's definitely Richards. I thought Richards' impact was awesome tonight. Uh, you mentioned the offensive rebounds. Just going after loose balls, he just seemed to be in the right position at the right time. He even hit a baseline mid-range shot, which was surprising to see. You know, he came in, did his job, played his role, and it does complicate things. Did we see PJ at all at the five tonight? I don't think we did. No, 
No PJ. So. No PJ yeah. at five. There was one possession in the third or fourth quarter, though, where they did like for the first time, maybe they did it once in the preseason where they went to like one of those like five out looks that they ran all the time with James Brago delay or open, whatever you want to call it, where they threw it to PJ in the middle and had him run uh, Chicago action with someone to his right. And he, he turned it over. He said a, he set a screen and got called for a, an offensive foul setting the screen, but they spaced Richards to the left corner. And so again, so not playing PJ at five, but like I was encouraged to at least like that action was around. Yeah, that action was cash for them the last couple of seasons. And I I do think it's got to be a bigger part of the mix, especially as you're like looking for alternative playmaking sources with, uh, you know, with LaMelo in or out of the lineup. A few other superlatives I had, Richie, that we can yeah. run down real quick. You know, I think we should mention, well, let's just start real quick. There's not a lot to read into it, but Cody Martin, I, I think the team called it a quad injury. So something that we'll all be monitoring um, certainly means more James Booknight minutes, uh, for better or for worse. Um, if that is an injury that's going to keep him out multiple games. Uh, other than that, just like on the court, Dennis Smith Jr., Yes. I mean, look, he, he made a few shots tonight, which I think is always going to be icing on the cake for Dennis Smith Jr. Like he's a good athlete. He can put pressure on the rim with it, with his quickness and his first step. But I thought his defense was really impressive. Two steals, yeah. two blocks, and, and they were not empty calorie plays. Like they were hardworking, pressure the ball. Like I just get this sense that Steve Clifford likes him. Um, because of what he can bring off the bench, just as like a defensive spark plug, if he's going to buy in to that. I'm really impressed the way he moves his feet side to side. He will he will lose the ball. He doesn't flip his hips and turn defenders and, and kind of stay connected with the ball, so to speak. But moving side to side, he's really got a lot of potential. It's not really something I had like mentally noted about him as a player from his days in Dallas. Um uh, the, well, two more maybe, real, real quickly. Jalen McDaniels, not, uh, kind of a quiet night, but yeah. I thought he had some good defensive moments. Just like he, he's he's so like that pterodactyl, just like raptor in the in the gaps, you know, in the driving lanes, getting his hand in there, knocking balls around. Like we saw the Clifford system kind of play to his uh, to his strengths tonight. I thought on a few moments, so I was I was happy to see that. And then, like we got to mention Terry Rozier, like he was just playing—he was just playing Rozier ball tonight, man. He was running circles around <laughs> around San Antonio, like yeah. he looked like he was at Rucker Park, just like cooking it up. <laughs> so that was kind of fun to see too. So those are just a few things I had noted. I know we're not going to go long, but I wanted to mention them. Just to add to that, I, I think I thought I read somewhere prior to the game that Rozier was going to get all his minutes at the point guard position. And again, this Cody Martin injury could have thrown everything for a loop here, but he did play with DSJ. And I, I like that combination with DSJ at the point and Rozier at the shooting guard way more than I do, you know, just Rozier yeah, running the point. It just doesn't feel right seeing him playing so many minutes at the point guard position because he does have a tendency to kind of look for his own shot, especially when things start to break down where, you know, sometimes it can end in an okay possession, but a lot of times it just is not ending with something positive. But to your point, Spencer, DSJ looked good tonight. Getting to the rim is what he has been known for 
over the course of his career. His shot has not ever really developed. And, you know, he had some tough shots where he was had a defender in his face. It's just not something that you probably should expect moving forward. But I would love to see him see more consistent minutes as the backup point guard, even when LaMelo gets back. I, I don't want it to be the case where LaMelo gets back and then Rozier is now in charge of that second unit. That would just be my hope uh, after watching the preseason games and after watching this game. Continue with DSJ, see what you got out of him. Yeah. And then, like you yeah. said, he's he's active on defenses too. It, and real quick before Brian jumps in, I just a quick note on Rozier and his like, you know, the backup point guard or primary point guard while Amelo is hurt. Like, I, I do want to give him credit. He is not like he tends to over dribble at times, mm-hmm. but I think when he's tasked with bringing the ball up, he knows how his bread is butter when you watch him play. He'll get off it quick and he immediately goes into movement. And he stays in movement. That's what impressed me really tonight. I didn't even notice that as as much in preseason. But he stayed in constant movement off the ball all night, which – Okay, it's it's a bad defensive. It's a young San Antonio team. It's going to look better aesthetically tonight. But I I did note that. And as long as he can play with Hayward a lot – like he's not really gonna have to play that's the, that's quote unquote point guard, right? Like that's yeah. the key. That's the that's key. That's the key. Yeah. Because so many of those possessions are you'll see when he gets off the ball, it's he like Hayward comes off on the left side of the floor. He comes off of a, a pin down. Hayward throws or Rozier throws it to him, then he comes off a back pick from Richards or Plumley. Um and then after Richards or Plumley sets that off ball back screen for Rozier, they come up, they lift, and they set the ball screen for Hayward. That's the chin pick and roll. That's, I mean, hey, exactly. Charlotte ran that a ton with James Borrego for Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward ran it a lot under Brad Stevens at, with the Celtics, by the way. And, um, and Steve Clifford's doing the same thing here. And that way you, you let, you move the defense around a little bit. You get Hayward into pick and roll, go into his right hand. They've got some counters they can run out of that. But like Spencer said, is it, it gets Charlotte into their set and then it gets Rozier moving around off the ball, which is where he's at his best. Um, also, Spencer, you touching on maybe Clifford seeing something in Dennis Smith Jr. Perhaps we are seeing the birth of DSJ is the new MCW, perhaps. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost 2023, and there is a, uh, a, uh, a backup guard with uh, three known by three initials that is uh, providing frisky point of attack uh, defense and screen navigation. Yeah, I think with, with DSJ, like for him on both sides of the floor, it's all about pressure. Like when he's in playing defense, it's ball pressure at the point of attack. It's the screen navigation. And I should say the further and further that dude gets away from his one season of having to learn defense under Mark Gottfried at NC State, uh, the better it is for his development. Because That probably set him back by a year or so. Um, And he was already coming off an injury, knee injury when he got to college. So that probably didn't help uh, the defensive development there. Um, And then offensively, the pressure is Smith is a paint touch. He's rim pressure and on an offense that is starved for that. And and Richie, you and I potted about this, you know, the day or the day after they signed, they, they signed DSJ kind of an interesting, not like a second draft flyer, but like a third or a fourth draft, you know, and he's in a decent situation because a, there's a potential role for him even when LaMelo comes back because he provides something that the team is just starved for. You know, they've got some guys that can that can be primary or secondary ball handlers, Hayward, Rozier, 
Martin, um, obviously LaMelo is going to be this team's ultimate playmaking hub, but like he's the, he is the guy that can get the ball to the front of the rim. And I thought in preseason when he was available to play, he showed a willingness to do that. That gets you some good looks like Rozier coming off movement, maybe moving the matchups around DSJ going downhill with an empty side Richards going to the hoop, which is, you know, a dive opportunity or a lay down pass opportunity, or perhaps a putback opportunity. So I just, that stuff is good. That's good process. And it's not having to split the atom uh, to do it. Like it's simple, quick hitting stuff that you could do off a make or a miss for that matter. And then the last thing that I'll say, Jalen McDaniels, I, I think you guys, I think you guys would agree with me on this. Maybe not. Maybe there's not quite enough offense, but McDaniels just feels like a guy and there's a, plenty of players on this roster. You can't say this about you could just drop him in a playoff game tomorrow night. And I think he could hold his own for 15 minutes. You know, like I just think Mm -hmm. because he's got the defense, the team defense down pat and the versatility and the switching, I just think he's, and he gives you just enough offensively that I think he's, he's, he's playable um, in, 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 in a postseason scenario. So that's all I got on tonight. Yeah, very steady player. He doesn't necessarily have all these like high highs or low lows. Um, exactly. But, yeah, that's kind of how I view McDaniel's on a game to game basis. It's funny you brought up uh, MCW, but I, I remember you know when we first brought you on, Brian, you constantly confused MCW with MKG. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Nonstop. <laughs> no, I mean like it's like you guys laugh and Richie, you bring it up. I almost wrote it down before I launched into that point because I was like having ghosts from 2018 or about to burble up and you know snipe me here uh, as you yeah, have the ghosts from my podcast failures of the of the past were ready to to be unleashed. Steve Clifford's back, so why not bring me confusing uh, MKG and MCW again? Yeah, as, as long as uh, DSJ doesn't miss layups like MCW <laughs> tended to do. Oh uh, my God, he like was that so was bad. I feel like that was a thing. <laughs> Man. I, I can remember one tonight, and it was a beautiful one. It was a left-handed one that went in. So that's yeah. we're yes. one for one. Only other thing, Richie, uh, on a serious note, I just the tempo the Hornets made, I, I pulled it up on cleaning the glass just because I was curious, but – Really, really high percentage of running off in transition off of steals and of and off of live rebounds, like both far above 70th percentile in the league. Um, if you averaged it all out, so I mean, we, we've talked about this like this team because of their guards, their wings, like they have a lot of good. This is a good rebounding team. Like now, if you, you mix Nick Richards in, yeah, Lamelo. Rosier, like this is going to be a really good rebounding team, I think. Yeah, really is probably strong, but they're going to be an above average rebounding team, especially considering Steve Clifford is their coach. So they kind of are built to run in a lot of different ways. Lamelo comes back. Uh, it's just something I'm monitoring. Yeah. Like I, that could be a component that we maybe we um, underestimated about this roster, just considering Steve Clifford was the coach. But I, I'm. I'm a little bit more bullish even after one game than maybe I would have been when we talked last week. Uh, I'm also willing to bet this ends up being one of their most deficient offensive games all season too, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. they scored 129 points on 94 shots, 20 of 23 from the line, 13 of 29 from deep. They shot over 51% from the floor. And yeah, the Richards, the second chance points was, were, uh, were, you know, part of that, obviously. 
Yeah, Brian does not think this is going to be maintained through an 82-game season. <laughs> I got a feeling, you guys. Well, if we can play the Spurs 82 times, it'd be yeah. probably really good. But, uh... <laughs> yes, it's not how basketball works, unfortunately. You know, We should uh, go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, we wanted to thank each and every one of you guys for joining us live. We wanted to thank Cam and Evan for getting involved as speakers. Uh, if you couldn't make it for the full post-game discussion, there will be a podcast version as well that drops. Also, I would say on Friday or Saturday, I will release the interview that I had with Brevin Knight, the uh, former Charlotte Bobcats point guard. Our BuzzBeat Plus subscribers have had their chance to listen to that probably since Tuesday, I believe it was released. Uh, so yeah, one of Tuesday. One of the perks of signing up for uh, BuzzBeat Plus. So for Spencer, for Brian... I'm Richie. We will talk to you guys later. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.